Hello and welcome back to Fine Art Photography Weekly. Today we talk to landscape photographer Alain Briot about his new book just published with the title Marketing Fine Art Photography. All that and more is coming up next in episode number 43 of Fine Art Photography Weekly on SMIPS TV. SMIPS TV Webcasts for people with a passion Live connectivity for Fine Art Photography Weekly is provided by Thinktel. Switch without interruption to a cost-effective IP-based telephone service at thinktel.ca. Hosting for Fine Art Photography Weekly is provided by WebCollabs. Host your own website at webcollabs.com. Fine Art Photography Weekly. Be inspired. This is episode 43 for August 25th, 2011. We talk about Alain Briot's book, Marketing Fine Art Photography. Hello and welcome back to Fine Art Photography. After a long summer break, we are back with episode number 43. And today we talk to our good old friend Alain Briot about his new book, Marketing Fine Art Photography. Alain, how are you doing today? Great to have you back on the show. Thank you, Peter. I'm very happy to be there and uh, talk about my new book, which I think is going to make for a very exciting episode. Yeah, I, th I think so. We had a, a pre-episode talk, as you know, as we usually do with our guests on the show, and uh, I think we couldn't. We were almost uh, in, uh, incapable of stopping uh, talking <laughs> about it. We we went on for uh, for like 40 minutes or something like that, and eventually uh, another business phone call came in between. Otherwise, we would probably still be sitting there talking about it. We almost did the show before the show. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, but, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, I'm just as passionate about marketing as I am about creating art. I mean, yeah. they both require a different uh, part of the brand, literally, you know, right. right brand for art and left brand for technical uh, things and for marketing. But I'm just as passionate about it because to me, they are very important, both of them. I can't have a business without understanding marketing. And of course, I can't do art without understanding art. And to right. me, they are both challenging and they are both creative. Yeah. But uh, before we dive into the book, and uh, I'm, I'm sure they're mutually stimulating and we'll go all, all over those details. Uh, how have you been? We, we, uh, we had you on, I think, our very first episode of Fine Art Photography Weekly, and it was, uh, it was a great start. Uh, how have you been? It's uh, over a year ago now. Um, you know, you, how is Arizona? How is business and, and life well. down there? I've been very well. I've done very well. Uh, you know, we have a big recession. Arizona is one of the states the most hardly hit by uh, the foreclosure, you know, disaster. Right. But, you know, and this dovetails into marketing. Everything offers opportunities. And uh, because we were not, you know, financially, uh, you know, let's say, uh, you know, in depth, you know, to put right. it bluntly, right. we actually benefited greatly from the foreclosure process because we were able to buy uh, several homes right. at a very, very good price. So we now have four homes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great. We yeah. live in one and we have uh, three that we rent. So, um, you know, so there is opportunities everywhere, you know, and, and that does turn into marketing. If, if I can just start with one simple advice, don't get in depth. I mean, we are right. past the age of learning how to get in depth. Right. We have now reached the time in, uh, you know, I think Western world history where we have to learn how to save money. 
It's right. very, very important. Right, right. I, I agree to that. I mean, we just saw it recently again with the volatility of the markets. Uh, you know, a little hiccup here or there. Uh, a little rating down uh, from by one rating agency of the American economy or currency, basically, and uh, and everybody goes crazy. And I mean, I mean, we'll we'll see those blips all the time. But you know, it's right. not guaranteed that the uh, you know that we'll have um, you know always grow growth and always. Um, uh, positive market trends, you know, we, as we've seen in the last few years, and and it's not guaranteed to uh, to be another uh, another boom ahead of us, right? No, not at all. And and it's no way to live your life to have to worry every day whether your stock goes up or down. It makes no sense, right? You know, I mean, maybe it does for some people. It certainly doesn't to me. And it also shortens your lifespan because you get stress, and stress is the major cause of illness. Right. And and that also dovetails into marketing for photographers. Right. You know what what I recommend as an approach is an approach that is non-stressful, where right. you know you're selling your work for a you know, sufficient price, I like to use the word adequate, you know, an adequate price where you don't have to sell millions of pieces in order to make an income. Right. You know, very often in my business, we have one sale. Sometimes we don't have several sales or sales for several days. But right. because of the, va the volume, sorry, because of the price of the sales, the lack of volume is not a problem. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, that's that's a very good point. And yeah. uh, we'll, uh, we'll get into that uh, now in detail. Now, you wrote a new book uh, called Marketing Fine Art photography and uh, I know that it's been in the works for a long time because when we visited yeah we have it here uh, right. on our stand here it's a little bit uh, you know the glare from the li studio lights come up, comes off of it but it's a great book you had uh, previously you're now the author of uh, three books in total uh, and I have like two others in behind me that I really enjoyed a lot there's the first which one was the first book i think it was mastering landscape photography right. correct the so, first one was the one you hand you have in your hand exactly uh, that was really an uh, a really interesting view uh, that really focuses on landscape photography and mastering the art of it and uh, and i open it to a lot of people i think and then you then there was a, a follow up book or another book that uh, is called mastering photographic composition creativity and personal style and right. this book really went into the details of you know the 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 building blocks of successful fine art photography of you know how do you develop your own style how do you master composition right. and uh, and creativity and approach it on, in a professional manner and uh, a very right. very very good book if you haven't read it yet um i can only recommend it for anyone that is uh, interested in in fine art and now you uh, i know when we visited you i think in um Two years ago in Arizona, we did a little uh, on-location episode, and um, you were already starting to think about the uh, writing a marketing mm -hmm. book, and uh, and that was sort of the beginning of it, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, I I've been teaching a marketing class for several years, and I have a marketing mastery DVD, which is a tutorial on DVD right. that's about marketing. But I wanted to write a book because obviously you can reach a much wider audience. Right. And a book also forces the writer to make things in a concise manner because the the problem with a seminar is that if everything you say doesn't make sense, people can ask questions and you can fill in the blanks. Right. When you have a book, obviously the book has to make sense by itself. Right. And so that's one of the challenges of books. And I think that's why we probably see many more seminars than we see books. Right. You know, the other thing being that it's a very different thing to talk about something for, for a couple of days and to write a book. You know, a, a book like the one on marketing, believe it or not, took four years to uh, complete. It, it took two years to write and then two years of editing, which was very, very, very long. Right. Uh, 
Right. The editing is very important, and uh, we did the best we could on this book as far as catching every possible mistake, you know, avoiding repetition and you know, all sort of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's a really good book, and uh, I, I just it's just been published like a couple of months ago, as far as I understand. Yeah, and, June uh, uh, at the beginning of June. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to bring up a picture, Christy, here of the cover of it. Um, so let me just um, hide. Um, where is it? And we can also talk about the cover photograph because the editor asked me or the publisher, which photograph do you want on the cover? And I told them, I said, there can be only one photograph. And it's this one. And the reason for that is because this photograph, basically, uh, I sold enough of it that I could buy my first house cash from the proceeds. <laughs> and wow, to me, yeah. that was the whole story. And we still have a very large version of it hanging in our house. We have it in the guest bedroom. Right. And we tell the guests that the reason why they can stay here is because uh, this photograph paid for the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fantastic story. Maybe it's, it's a great story. And we have people coming to see us just to see that photo. So, you know, if you... Uh, you know, get the book, you'll have it on the cover. But to me, that, that said the whole thing, which is um, a photograph can actually pay off. You know, I'm, I'm obviously arguing against the case of people that say, you know, uh, starving artists, you know, if you do art, you won't have a job and blah, blah, blah. Right. It certainly can be, but then you can be a starving anything. You know, it doesn't matter what profession you are in. But you can also be very successful. Right, and I think right. that's the message that I have. Yeah, I just read a book that was I found really interesting. That was uh, about um, a guy that uh, had a master's degree, I think, in political science and in literature or something like that. And uh, he went with that master's degree um, to become an editor, uh, a curator for basically... Um, um, a, a book essay company that makes book recommendations and he's he he thought he had to do something with his master's degree and so he took this job because he thought he you know he spent all these years getting a master's degree and his parents paid you know for his his uh, his his work uh, time at college and whatever and uh he made twenty twenty six thousand dollars a year uh, on that mm -hmm. job and he had a massive amount of stress so you know he, right. he had to i think write 23 essays a day about right. about other people's books which was pr pr practically impossible to do at any quality level and gave him nearly a heart attack and then he right. decided instead to open a motorcycle repair shop which he uh, for for classic motorcycles right. <laughs> so. and he made a fortune maybe <laughs> he, he made oh. he does he's doing well at least yeah. and he's enjoying yeah, it you you know my point, I mean, I have a story that's very similar to that, but my point is that it's not more work to do what you love right. than to do what you don't like at all, right. what you don't love. Right. And, and my recommendation is do what you love, you know, but right. learn how to sell it. That's very, very important because knowing how to do something, you know, for, and in our case, how to create beautiful photographs is not enough to make an income. Right. Uh, you know, the, the knowledge of how to create the photograph, how to take it, how to process it, how to print it, how to frame it, mat it, everything, that does not mean that you know how to sell it. Right. You know, and, and the rule of thumb, because I run into that all the time, and I started there, I had that problem myself. The rule of thumb is that it's marketing that makes the difference. It's not the beauty of your work. Right. And what I always say, and it's in the book, is that all things being equal, a good photograph, poorly marketed, will 
you know, well, actually, I put it the other way around. A bad photograph, well marketed, will always outsell a good photograph poorly marketed. Right. That's very, very important. That is, when you sell, marketing wins. The best marketing wins. Right. And what motivated me to create this book was that I wanted to provide two photographers today that are trying to make a living doing this, a book that I wish I had when I started. Right. Because right. when I started... I was up against competitors. I'm not going to give any names, but I was up against some competitors whose work was way below mine in terms of quality, but who were outselling me, I mean, by an enormous margin. I mean, I was the lowest guy on the totem pole, that's what they told me. <laughs> I wasn't making anything, and they had a waiting line in front of their booth, you know, trying to fulfill orders, and I was just twisting my thumbs. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you were, and you were one, that's where you started thinking, I guess. I started thinking, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. And I realized, you know, fairly quickly, you know, that the difference was that we knew how to sell and I didn't. Yeah, that, was, yeah, yeah. that was the whole difference. Yeah. The question was, how do you learn how to sell? And of course, I learned by watching them, but that did not give me the whole thing because watching somebody does not tell you what they do. It just shows you what they do. There's a whole lot that's hidden, that, that's behind the scenes, so to speak, right. that we do intuitively or that's just not visible at all. Um, you have to really learn it. So I hired marketing experts to teach me. I, I took classes. I, I did consulting. I you know, I, I really uh, hired a lot of people, and I, I learned that way. And, yeah, and, I found, and that's a that's you know, a very interesting aspect: is to not not just trying to invent everything yourself, right? Is to no. is to go and right. take advice from people that have uh, have long been you know professionals in marketing. And uh, we'll get to that point and how you went through that process in a second. But maybe we'll start off with the first uh, chapter, which really fits very sure. well into what we're just discussing. Is is taking what you call? I'm just uh, grabbing the book to uh, to. Uh, look into it uh, is basically taking control of your own destiny and it's very important and yeah because if you know and, and uh, go ahead I mean I don't want to yeah so no problem it, 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 what I just wanted to ask you about is what you're basically making here as the is the, the prime statement which I which mm -hmm. really is an eye-opener I think to a lot of photographers that do not understand how selling art really works uh, including you know myself several years ago when we started this conversation um, mm -hmm is that the traditional way of how art was sell, sold or mostly is sold is you know on a you know if you want to be, become a successful artist is to, to have someone else sell your art might right. may, may be through a gallery or through an agent and you making the point that that is not necessarily the best way to go about it and maybe you can explain a little bit how you uh, how you how, how you look at that how you look at it in your book well i you know, the very first class that I took on learning to sell my work was actually a free class. It was offered by the Michigan Chamber of Commerce when I lived in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Right. And I was a totally underpaid, overworked, and, uh, you know, literally abused uh, grad student. <laughs> not abused <laughs> physically, but abused, you know, mentally. Right. And uh, I could not afford the class. Right. I went there because it was free. Right. I could not afford the gas. I actually took money from my mom's credit card, which was in France, using the ATM to pay for it. Wow. And I had to stay in a hotel and I could not afford the hotel. I used a credit card and for some magical twist of fate, the credit card was never charged. <laughs> I never paid for any of it. You know. uh, my exhaust pipe fell off on the way to the course. I was driving a car that literally had been rusting and was losing body parts. The exhaust pipe fell off. I carried a clove hanger from uh, you know, the, the, the overnight uh, cleaning stores, you know, uh, clothes cleaning store right. that's wired. You know, a piece of wire. And I rewired the exhaust pipe to the chassis of the car wow. so that it wouldn't drag on the ground. Anyway, I made it there. 
and the teacher had this message. Uh, the, the course was two days, but the teacher had a very simple message, and it was take care of your destiny. Don't wait for fame to, to make it happen for you. Make your own fame. Make money. Don't look for fame. Look for, for income. And that and was I, not I, necessarily just directed to artists, right? It was a... Cha- it, well, it, the, the course was specifically for artists. It was oh, called, okay. uh, you know, the artist in business. Okay. But taking care of your own destiny, that was the title. But I... You know, it, it blew my mind because until I went to that course, I really tried to become famous. I mean, I was trying to get newspaper articles, I was trying to get exposure, I was trying to get interviews, I was trying to get any, any way I could into, you know, the, the direction of fame, you know, getting awards, getting... Right, you know, Ma- making a big name and then, and then thinking this, the sale name. would come through that. And I wasn't making any sales. I was getting a lot of recognitions. I was getting newspaper articles. I was getting a lot of attention, but I wasn't making any sales mm-hmm. because I wasn't marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wasn't selling my work. And I was also working through galleries. I had uh, reps. I had galleries. You know, none of that was working. Right. And then I went to this class, and it just totally transformed my approach. And I took a completely different direction. And that was the very first step. And that's why I started the book with that. You know, you have to take care of your own destiny. The, the most often asked question, you know, because now I teach marketing, I do a lot of consulting, you know, one-on-one with students. The most often asked questions is, how do I find a rep, meaning a representative? Right. And I always tell my students, you know, finding a rep is not easy because they want somebody who is already selling well. A right. rep makes their money from the cut that they make, the percentage that they make selling your work, which is usually going to be one half. Right. So if you sell for him for $100, they're going to take $50, one half. A rep has no interest in promoting a brand new uh, artist that has no name or, uh, and no track record. They, they because then they have to put the legwork in, right? And uh, That's right. They have to spend money in order to get that person to sell. Right. Instead, they, they want to sign up somebody who is way at the top because they can make immediately one half of whatever they're going to sell. And then they can and leverage so, their network on that, on, that, uh, on, that, right. on that sale, right? So, right. Yeah. so, you know, this did not happen to me. What happened to me is I found a rep whose husband was a photographer. I'm not going to give any name, and plus she's dead now, so it <laughs> wouldn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can go into why she died, because it ties also into the volume versus quality uh, <laughs> relationship. <laughs> she died in a snowstorm trying to deliver posters. Oh, because wow. the, the, the store was literally demanding posters. We're out. You have to deliver posters today. But I was at the Grand Canyon. There was a snowstorm. She lost control of the car trying to get to the hotel and, and died. Wow. At the Grand Canyon. And, but anyway, what was happening is that she would get, she would find out which of my photographs were the best sellers. And she was in a good position to do that because she was selling them to a store. Then tell her husband, okay, this one is a good seller. Go and take the same and sell it. <laughs> Fantastic. Did yeah. not work too well for me. And, and one time she asked me, she said, Alan, I want more of your work. And I said, uh, I'm not going to give any name, but I said, listen, I, I don't want to. And she said, why? I said, listen, last year, the money I got from you accounted for 1% of my total income, 1%, right? Right. So I'm, I'm not going to go into how much I made, but, you know, you divide and you calculate 1%, you know, it's right. very little. Right. And right. she said, well, I'm sorry. I said, yeah, exactly. So won't you sell what you have and we leave it at that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And then later on, I found out that, you know, her husband was taking the shots that were my bestseller. So, you know, I wasn't winning. I was actually losing. I was building my own competition. I was making 1% of my income and she was giving me a lot of headaches. <laughs> That's a that's a really interesting story and and shows that you can't really give it into other people's hand to your destiny you know that they make your they make your right. business or your life so what do you what do you recommend actually in terms of by meaning by 
uh, taking control of your own destiny. What does it mean to sell and market your own art? Is it literally to go to places and sell, or how do you uh, how do you suggest well, going? The, about the first it? thing, I mean, I can I'll answer your question, but what I want to start with is this: the first thing is to understand that nobody cares more about you than you. Right. Not your rep, not your galleries if you work with either, uh, not the people that write articles about you. I'm sure they all care about you. I'm sure they all can help and are willing to help. But the person that cares the most, the one at the top of the pyramid, is you. Right. You know? I right. mean, you know, we shouldn't go see somebody because we need help having done something that's wrong. You know, if I go see a marketing consultant and I say my rep is literally you know, abusing me, you know, for the reason that I just described. Right. The first thing that person is going to tell me is stop ha dealing with that person. Yeah, qu quit it, yeah. Quit it, exactly. Yeah. So, you, you know, a very important rule in business is you want to be able to, to say enough. You know, this is not working. Uh, you know, David, uh, Donald Trump says, okay, you're fired. You can use that if that works for you. <laughs> you have to put an end to abusive relationships, and that was one of them. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I had to put an end to it. I also quit working with every gallery. The most asked last question after, you know, how do I find a rep is, should I work with galleries? Well, I mean... You know, if you want to spend half of your money paying somebody to sell your work, sure. But if you if you look at it that way, um, you can also make half of the money selling your work yourself. Right. And 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 the advantage of selling your work yourself, and this dovetails into taking care of your destiny, is that you have the customer contact information. Right. And that's very important because that means you can market to them again after the sale. If you work with a gallery, the gallery is going to keep that information. They're not going to give you the phone number, the email, or even the name of the person. And the minute you've made a sale for the gallery, you have to continue making sales through the gallery. And then on top of that, most contracts say that if you, if you sell to a customer through the gallery, you can never sell privately to the customer. Right. So, you know, taking control of your destiny is a sort of, uh, let's put it this way, um, you know, an on-off switch. That is, you either make that decision or you don't. You can't go 50-50. Right, right, right. You can't right. be half in charge of your destiny, you know. Yeah. The other thing that's really important is I, I came to this concept in 1997. I mean, I've literally lived according to this tenet since 1997, which is the year that I started my business. I've been in business now 14 years. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, as the society that we live in changed, you know, and as the recession that we are into sort of progressed, we are starting to realize that taking care of your destiny is something that just what everybody should do. We are looking at a lot of people. I mean, Natalie and I have quite a number of friends that have lost their jobs, their companies went out, and they lost their pension right. because the company took the pension with them. Well, right. if they had invested privately or they had taken care of their financial destiny the way I recommend, they would have money on of their own, right? Right, right, right. And I'm right. not saying you know that it's that simple but i'm saying i think we are seeing a change in the history of the western culture where taking care of your destiny is becoming more and more and more important right i mean it's a similar it's a similar um uh, uh, concept in Germany, for instance, my home uh, country, uh, mm -hmm. is that you know you people used to are very used there through a more social approach that the government takes care of them in terms of a government pension, right. uh, everything, healthcare is government, everything this, everything that, right? And now it's it, there is a, this divide of generations where older people they are used to the government doing all these things and you know being provided basically and being taken care for with uh, insurances and, and and pensions. 
but uh, the system can't handle, can't carry the load anymore. And so, right. you know, they, for instance, they are when they go to a doctor, they don't get the proper prescription of uh, of a treatment. They just say, okay, well, that's it. You know, right. younger people they go and shop around and they they come they look they, for private healthcare and they look for for really taking it taking control of their own lives and not relying necessarily on uh, on someone else or something or some institution to uh, to have uh, control of your life really i totally agree i mean and, and as you know i come from france which is very much like germany a right. lot of social care you know french people don't work two months out of the year they have right. everything covered but at the same time they are not necessarily the happiest people on earth. I mean, at one time, I don't know today, but at one time, France was number one in the use of antidepressants. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't take antidepressants. I mean, you know, this is a small <laughs> opening statement here. Yeah. I, you know, I take aspirin if I have a headache, but I don't have a headache. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, where does things matter? That's a personal thing also. You have to look at that. Does it matter to you that you have total coverage, your vacations are paid for, but you must take antidepressants your whole life? Right. Or does it matter that none of that is covered, but you live a happy life where you're not depressed? You know? Right, 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 right. And for me, the choice is option number two, that is, I don't want to be depressed, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, the other thing with insurance is most people are overinsured. And this also dovetails into marketing, because one of the most important aspects of running a business whether it's a small business or a big business, is you have to watch out for your expenses. You don't want to overspend in any sort of way. Right. And one of the things that's the easiest is over-insuring. I mean, I have several sports cars, and I was insuring one of them at the regular rate, and I realized I was driving it two or 3,000 miles a year. So I shopped around, and I found that you can have collector insurance, which literally was one-third of what I was paying, right. and they give you 5,000 miles a year, and that's all I need. Right. So. Fantastic. You know, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic, and really, it was a difference. There's no difference in my life, but I'm I'm looking at it because I'm thinking, okay, it's my money. Um, if I don't have to make that money, then you know, I don't have to work as hard. Right, right, right. absolutely. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, what what you mean by selling your work yourself? I want to get down to that point. Is, sure. is it doesn't necessarily because a lot of people will jump to the conclusion you have to open your own gallery or right, you know these right. kind of things that are often without a reach out, outside their reach uh, or or a big risk factor to jump into. And I know you haven't you haven't started your own gallery, and it's not even an, a, a, a goal of yours, as far as I understand. Uh, it's actually a non-goal because um, the, I'll, I'll answer your question very right. shortly. But the thing with gallery, I have a friend in Scottsdale, a very close friend. His, my, his name is Michael uh, Stoyanov. He's a painter. He does well. He right. has a gallery in Scottsdale. Right. And Scottsdale, Arizona is one of the centers of the art after New York, L.A. and Santa Fe. You know, you have Scottsdale. Right. And then, uh, you know, we can talk also about, uh, you know, Yellowstone. But... The, the problem is that his gallery costs him about $50,000 a year in rent and utilities. He, he spends about $3,000 of rent a month. Then he has utilities, insurance, and whatnot. Right, right. It comes to 50 grand. That means if I make $50,000 the way I sell, which involves almost no expenses as far as rent, I have $50,000. He has nothing. He mm -hmm. has to make more than 50000 to generate a profit. Right. That's, the, that's the problem with galleries. That's the number one thing, the cost. And of course, the cost is going to be lower depending on where you are. But you want to be in a location that's propitious to the arts, right? Right. And, and that means a higher level of rent. Right. The second thing is you must be in the gallery every day from, let's say, 9 to 5, right. except when you're closed. But you can't be closed too often. Usually, galleries close on Monday because that's a slow day. That means you have to be there all weekend and, and then from Monday to Friday. Of course, you can hire somebody. Then you don't have to be there. But then now, the 50000 go up at least 25000 if not more, because mm -hmm. you have to pay a salary. You may also have to pay health care. You may have to pay unemployment. You may have to pay retirement. I mean, right, who knows? Right, right. 
And, and then all of a sudden you find yourself with an enormous amount of money that you have to make just to break even. Right. To me, that doesn't work, and that's not the, the approach that I recommend. It's also a matter of personalities. You know, there are people that are meant to open galleries. You know, Peter Leake is one of them. He's got, I think, four galleries in Las Vegas, and he does very well. But he's a very dynamic person, and he's also generating a multi-million dollar income, you know, right, which right, right. You know, is necessary to support a gallery on the Las Vegas Strip. You know, if, if we think $3,000 is high, check out the, the rent in the Caesars uh, shops, you know, and you'll be surprised. You know, you you have to add a number of do- of zeros, and I'm not sure how many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, it's it's a number of zeros, and not just one. So, you know, we we have to think about that. What I do recommend is that you start small. Very very important. Because the money you don't have to make is money that you don't have to work for. You know, that is, I don't have to make 50 grand to pay for the gallery because I don't have that. What I recommend is that you, you start, you know, there's a number of venues. The internet is one of them, but it, it does require a lot of work at the level of the marketing because marketing online is much more difficult than in person because there's so much more competition. Right. Everybody can open a website, right. but it's one venue. It opens the world. You can sell worldwide immediately. Right. The venue that I really recommend to start with if uh, you know you you're, you can do it physically is to do shows and I say physically because shows require a lot of physical energy right. I've done shows that's how I started that's how I, I paid for my first house was selling at shows right. uh, shows are extremely good because they force you to learn salesmanship one on one you right. don't have a choice and, and you do that because you have to talk to people all the time mm-hmm. that, that's the venue that I recommend I recommend starting with small shows and then if you like it then move on to bigger and bigger shows right you know, another venue obviously is selling through stores. It's not necessarily a bad venue. The thing is that you have to understand that you know you are going to lose fifty percent again because they are going to take half of it. Everybody wants half. You know, right. if somebody says, "Oh, I only want thirty percent," don't don't believe them. They may want thirty percent today, but give them enough time, they'll go to fifty percent. Right. Everybody that have done business that started below fifty eventually moved to fifty, and then some of them moved to sixty. You know, mm. so mm. be careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because you know you're you're basically giving away a lot of your income. Right. But stores are a good venue. You you know the question is what can you sell in stores? And you want to sell something again that brings you you know a, a valid income. You know it's right, right, right. Yeah, interesting. So, Here is an interesting question that came in from one of our viewers from uh, Jose Liman, and uh, the question is: uh, Do you think you lose any credibility by attending your own shows? Is having s- some mystery around your persona useful to mm-hmm. or or detrimental? Uh, basically, meaning when you, if you're right. there, it's sort of there's there's maybe you know your 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 yeah. reach of the of the uh, the customer or the audience. Does that right. make a difference? The, the mysterious artist. No, actually, the number one selling factor at shows is the presence of the artist. The fact that people can buy directly from you, meet you, have them dedicate their work, write something unique, and interact in person, and then take a photo of you with them and the artwork. I can't tell you how many customers I've had that wanted to take a photo with me on one side, them on the other side, and in the middle the artwork that we purchased. Right. It's a big, big, big selling factor. Now, is there a point at which this can be detrimental? Yes. If you're extremely well-known, if you're world-famous, and you're there at every show, people might start to question, you know, if you don't have anything better to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you know, I mean, you can't see Peter Leake in every one of his galleries because obviously he's got better things to do. Right. And he's got four. And, and of course, he's got some all over the world. that He may have 10 or 15 total. I have no idea. Right. He can't be in all of them at the same time. So it is expected that he's not there, right? Right. 
But in the beginning, we, we really have to be realistic, and that's another aspect of taking care of your own destiny. We are not the next Ansel Adams when we get started. Right, <laughs> right. right. And, and we can really hurt our credibility by claiming that we are. Right. It's a very, very important aspect of marketing. When I go to shows, because I do that re regularly, I don't sell at shows anymore. Now we have a home gallery, which actually is one of more venue that I strongly recommend. Right. Have a home gallery. Invite your own customers. Inv invite people to your home and sell from your home. Use one of your rooms, maybe the guest bedroom, into a gallery. Everybody has a guest bedroom. Everybody that had children and their children left the house has at least one empty room. Well, we'd use it as a guest bedroom, but maybe you can tell your guest, you know, I'm sorry, the guest bedroom is not available for a while. I'm opening my own gallery in my house. And, right. and Here's a picture, actually, of your uh, new home gallery in your new home in uh, in Arizona, and uh, it's very beautiful. We've been there just at the beginning. I think you just moved in there uh, briefly uh, before we visited. But, yeah, two uh, years ago, and uh, this photograph was taken yesterday. I went in there because I keep adding things mm -hmm. and changing <laughs> things, and we actually furnished the room specially for the gallery. Right. Uh, and we bought the house in, in large part because of that room, because it's fully open, it has windows on two sides and then a door on the, the other side. Actually, windows on three sides, you can see windows in the back. Right. Very open. A lot, uh, of, uh, a lot of natural light there, yeah. Yeah, and there's a place to sit down, you know. One of the, because people uh, get tense, you know, when they are ready to make a big purchase. And if you've ever bought anything, which I'm sure everybody has, you probably remember that the salesperson told you to sit, sit down and maybe give you a drink. Mm -hmm. Sitting a customer down and giving them something to drink are the two most effective ways of relaxing them. Right, And it's right. not, you know, a lot of people when I say that say, oh, that's coercion. I'm, I'm twisting their arm behind their back. I'm manipulating them. No, not at all. <laughs> You're making them comfortable. Right. I right. mean, if I go and buy something and, I, and, I, and I'm forced to stand, and in Arizona, you know, we have extreme heat and, and very, very dry weather. So if you don't drink anything for a while, you, you're going to have, you know, problems. Right. As you can see during this talk, I'm drinking regularly because, you know, it's 100 degrees outside and humidity <laughs> is probably 0%. You know? <laughs> um, so you're relaxing people, you know. And that leads into something very important about marketing. A lot of artists, a lot of photographers think that marketing is coercion, it's manipulation. It's not. Marketing is helping people make decisions, nothing else. Mm -hmm. You help them by being helpful, by generating trust, and by being attentive to their needs. And, you know, having people in a comfortable environment where they feel good talking to you and relaxing and choosing some beautiful artwork is 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 a very pleasant experience and that's what we try to do fantastic yeah let yeah. me just take a little break to thank our sponsors here when we talk about marketing we have to of course also take care of our of our sponsors and supporters first of all of course i like to thank thinktel and thinktel is a telephony company that provides internet internet-based uh, telephone services and that gives you two things they come in with a little black box that they switch between your existing telephone system and the internet uh, connectivity that you have and what that means is that you get two things mostly uh, which is, first of all, enormous more flexibility, which means you can take your phone number anywhere in your house, anywhere outside your house, anywhere you go in the world, basically, by having it internet-based. So that means if you go somewhere else and you have an, a, a, a smartphone handset or a software phone on your laptop, you can be reached under your main numbers uh, anywhere in the world. And, and, you know, your switchboard, if you have an assistant in an office or whatever, can forward to that number. And it can be a unified experience, too, 
between your mobile access and your landline access into one voicemail collected, etc. So a lot of he headaches of modern communication go away with uh, ThinkTel's uh, solutions. And of course, on the other side, it's IP-based telephony, and that means it's a whole lot cheaper when it comes to long-distance calls. And uh, that means you know you can uh, significantly uh, reduce your phone bill if you do a lot of uh, long-distance calling. So check out thinktel.net. They're a company here in North America providing services all across the continent and uh, check them out. They're really, really good people to uh, to business with and we thank them for their support. They're supporting us here with, of course, our phone services, but also with uh, connectivity to our live studio here in Canada. And then I like to uh, thank Web Collapse and Web Collapse is a professional professional Linux-based web hosting company and they provide us with uh, storage and bandwidth for all of our shows so you can watch them on uh, download them from uh, iTunes for instance or on our download them also from our website at smips.tv so uh, thank you to Web Collapse and if you're looking to provide create maybe a professional website for your photography business uh, to uh, start marketing your work online check out webcollapse.com they are uh, great people if you need more than just you know your standard static uh, business card on the web check them out at uh, webcollapse.com thank you very much to our sponsors and with that i'd like to go back to uh, our friend Alain. how you how uh, <laughs> <laughs> hope you survived a little break there and had a had a moment to uh, take a drink uh, in uh, in the heat that you're having there but uh, i hope your house is uh, of course uh, air conditioned we are very com comfortable inside. Yeah. Once we are outside, that's another challenge. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good. Yeah, that was uh, that's very interesting um, in terms of um, uh, the the basics of marketing there. But of course, the book goes much deeper and is re really uh, almost a tutorial in terms of uh, all the marketing aspects that are important. Uh, for instance, um, in chapter four, you go into the uh, aspects of quantity versus quality and uh, I know you've been from the story in your book but also from our talks before we've talked about this extensively uh, in our phone calls and when we met and so on is that you've been in both worlds you've done qu quantity and you've learned that it isn't the way mm. you can and you want to work and develop right. your business and uh, so uh, so what what's your thoughts on that? Well, when I started, like I said, you know, I, I understood the concept of taking care of your own destiny, but very quickly I realized that, you know, I didn't know how to sell. So I thought, well, if I offer a low price, then it will be attractive. Right. And it was so attractive that it nearly killed me. I mean, I, I lowered my prices and uh, I did volume and it almost did me in. I mean, I could not keep up with the demand. I, could, I was at one point printing, I had three different printers going at once and I could not produce enough. I was, I was cutting so many mats, I got RMS, I got repetitive motion syndrome in one hand, I bought a computerized mat cutter because of that and I still couldn't keep up. Mm. So I hired another marketing consultant and I said, uh, I'm hiring you not because I'm not selling enough, but because I'm selling too much. And he said, well, it's very simple, just raise your prices. And, because you <laughs> and then he charged you $1,000. Well, exactly. <laughs> it, actually, much more than that, you know, tens of thousands. Right. And, and that's not the only thing that he told me. But you have to understand that I came at it, I came to marketing from having had, you know, a bachelor, a master's, and a PhD in the fine arts, you know, in the humanities. I had never studied business to this day. I've never taken a business course except the three ones that I mentioned and the consultants that I hired. I don't have an MBA. I never you know, studied marketing formally. 
everything that I've learned, I've learned it, you know, what I call the school of hard knocks, you know, and I don't want anybody to attend that class, you know, it's not a pleasant one. But I failed several times and I had to repeat the course, you know, unfortunately. Mm. And I wrote the book in, in large part to prevent people from doing that. But anyway, I hired this person, he said, raise your prices. And the most scary thing to do for an artist is raising their prices. I mm. could not do it. I mean, I tried, I would raise the prices and then in the morning and put them right back to where they were in the afternoon. <laughs> Eventually, um, I, I did, and something fantastic happened. I started selling less, but because I was d basically doubling my prices, I was selling twice as much, I started making more and more and more money. Right, okay? right, right. So, and of course, I was working less and less because I wasn't printing as much, I wasn't framing as much, I wasn't matting as much. Right. And of course, I was spending less money on all these supplies as well. Right. And, and so I got to the point where, you know, now it's a tenet of my approach, which is if you do volume, you cannot do quality because you're, you're cranking out work as fast as you can. On the other hand, if you want to do quality, you spend so much time on each piece that you cannot do volume. So it's one or the other. Mm -hmm. Now, people say, well, I'm going to try to do volume that's quality at the same time. Good luck. If you find out a solution without hiring people, uh, you know, overseas, <laughs> right? Right. To crank out the work for you. If you do it all yourself, call me because I'm I'm willing to pay for that answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Without having a factory. That is what I'm talking about here. Is you do it yourself, right? Right. 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 Because everything that I sell is done by me. Either Natalie or I. Natalie does the framing and I do the printing and the photography. It's not done by some other person whose name is number 12, right? Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. I understand. Yeah. Very, very important. And we guarantee the quality. And, and the minute you do quality, a number of things happen. First, you can charge much more for your work, provided that you have the right leverage. That is, you can't start open a business tomorrow and charge $10,000 for an 8 by 10 it's mm. not going to work. Nobody's going to buy it. Right. But if you have the right amount of leverage, over time you can start charging more and more. And second, you have fewer problems because you don't have as many sales. And because problems are a percentage of the volume of sales, you have lower problems. And also, you know, if you guarantee the quality and you're very attentive to not ship anything that's not of high quality, nobody calls back. You know? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Here is a question that's interesting uh, that we can maybe get a brief answer on. Is uh, from Keith from Toronto is asking, how in the world can you get any traction as a photographer if you don't have a bankroll to start? I don't want to <laughs> start right. out with a crappy site and poorly framed right. images. And I, if, if I continue right. with my full-time right. job, I won't have the time to uh, market my, my work properly. So well, when I started, I had nothing. When I started this business in 1997, I've been in business 14 years, I was in debt, 40 grand. Mm -hmm. I had a beater. And I lived in a trailer, basically. And right. uh, uh, the way I did it is it's better to produce a very small amount of work of high quality than to produce a massive amount of work of low quality. And if you produce a very small amount of work, you don't have to tie up a lot into it. If you cannot afford a website, there are solutions out there. I was looking that up for a student of mine because uh, she had that exact problem. And I found a number of solutions you know, that are very low cost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's really a matter of research. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go on and take all the time here to list all these resources. Right, right, no, that makes sense. It is available. It doesn't have to cost a lot. The, the thing that people forget is we are not a multinational corporation. We are one-person corporation very often, or a husband-wife team. Right. And, and we don't really have to have lots of expenses. For the longest time, I had hardly any expenses at all, you mm -hmm. know. 
And, you know, it's, it's very important. Like I said, I started with that. Minimize your expenses. Very, very, very important. Look at everything that you pay and ask yourself, do I need this? You know, right. what does photographers in? And again, you know, this is not me. This is uh, actually the, the rep, you know, that I talked about earlier on. She said, me and my husband made millions. And at the time, it shocked me because I hadn't made millions. Mm -hmm. And now I have. But at the time, I was like, well, how do you make millions in photography? Well, you just, you just stick around long enough. That's the secret. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what they did, you know. And they made millions millions selling posters, which takes a lot of work, you know, but right. you, you don't have to sell posters to make millions. But she said, me and my husband made millions, but he spent it all on cameras. Well, don't do that. Mm, <laughs> you, the, mm. the amount of cameras you have is no proportion of your income. Right, you know? right, right. You right. can make a very good income with one camera, you know. Right, right. Uh, so, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so here is uh, Lucas is asking from New York. Uh, what uh, kind of uh, approach do you use with your customers when you are uh, at your own show, at your booth where you are selling your work? So is, are you just sitting there waiting until people walk N by? No, or? no, no. Well, first of all, you can sit, but you really want to sit on a high chair so you're at eye level. Right. Uh, nobody buys from somebody who is kneeling on the floor or sitting on a regular chair. Right. The first thing is you must greet everybody. You're mm -hmm. there to be helpful. The two most important words in marketing, trust and help. Those are the two most important words. If you can only remember one thing from this call, actually two things, remember these two words, trust and help. You must create trust in your customers right. and you must be helpful. I can't tell you how many businesses I do not do business with because they are not helpful to me. Mm -hmm. There's no other reason to buy. Okay, right, right. I'm going to buy something because it's helpful to me. In a, in a number of ways. So the first thing you want to come across is trustworthy and helpful. Right. And that, that starts by talking to people immediately, saying hi. Say, I say hi to everybody that walks in the show, whether they're there to buy or not to buy. Second thing, I do not make a call on customers. That is, I do not qualify them based on appearance. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't look at what watch they wear. I don't look at what clothes they wear because it tells nothing. Somebody can buy a fake Rolex in China and, and look like they're worth a million dollars when it's actually you know, a battery-operated watch. You know. <laughs> um, somebody can wear very crummy clothes and be extremely wealthy. You know, none of that is representative of somebody's financial situation. Right. I don't make a call based on their physical appearance. I qualify people based on questions. That's the second thing. I say hi, I introduce myself, I talk to them, and then I ask questions. And one of my favorite questions is, do you collect art? Okay, very, very important. Mm -hmm. If they don't collect art, I'm probably not going to make a sale. If they say, I collect art, then I say, do you collect my art? Do you have my work in your collection? If they say no, I say, this is probably the best time in, in the world, <laughs> in your life, to, to start adding work, adding my work to your collection. The, first, the third thing that I ask them, if they say, no, I don't collect art, is if you don't mind me asking, why not? Because after all, art is an important aspect of my life. You know, we can argue that art is not necessary to life. That's true. It's a want, not a need. We can live very well without art. But at some level of income and education and achievement in life, you want to have art. Mm -hmm. If you have a million dollar home, you're not going to hang a hundred dollar photo over the mantle. You're going to hang something that adds value to the house. That's probably going to be art. You have to buy it somewhere. So that's what I ask my customers, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then we move on from there to more specific, uh, you know, one of my favorite questions is, uh, which one of my photographs do you like the best? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. they say, if they say all of them, I tell them, well, you know, we have one rule here. You cannot buy everything. <laughs> yeah, humor, <laughs> is a big, say, humor is a big aspect too, isn't it? It's very important to relax people. Most people have never bought art. They right. are more comfortable buying cars, houses, as far as big ticket items are concerned, than buying artwork. And so I try to relax them. And I say, yeah, you know, um, you can't buy everything. And they say, what if I want to? They say, we'll we stop you. 
<laughs> <laughs> and and then they say, okay, and what, so what should I do? I say, just go around the show and find the work that you like the most, the artwork that you like the most, and then come and tell me. Yeah. And then I send them on a mission. Right. And they, are, they have a simple job, find the one they like the most. Then they come back and they say, well, I, I look at them. If they don't come back, I go see them. And I say, well, did you find the one you like the most? And they say, oh, yeah, it's that one. Then we start to, then I say, well, do you find a place in your home where you could display this artwork? Mm -hmm. The choice of word is very, very important. In the book, I have two lists, the bad words, quote, unquote, bad words, and the good words. Right. And the good words are the ones that are you know, favorable to sales. And if they say, you know, yeah, I'm thinking with this room, then I point to a particular size or presentation that would work well for that room. Right, 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 right. And we go on from there. Yeah, you know? oh, that's fantastic. That's great. And if they say, you know, uh, that's, that, you know, I like that size, I like that piece, I, I look at them and I, and I have to close the sale. And you close the sale, you don't say, would you like to buy it? That's not a close. That's probably a yes, no answer. You say, would you like to take it with you or would you like to have it shipped? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And if they say I'll take it, then I write the receipt. Yeah, <laughs> and then you're done. <laughs> yeah, we're done. Yeah. But and there's one other I'm lesson that I learned in the book too is that you try to get you, the contact information and email addresses of your customers, and that's not to spam them or to oh, to push any oh. sales, but it is to keep in touch and to build a, a growing base of uh, people you're connected with and that inter are interested in your work, right? Very, very important that you want to to have collectors and not one-time customers. That's right. very important. The, the work of an artist is to have people collect their work. Right, um, right. Uh, art is not a one-time purchase, it's a collection, a building of a collection. So you have to keep people informed. And yes, I do ask for the, for the email address. Of course, you know, I tell them that I'm going to send them emails and they agree to it and they can unsubscribe at any time. Again, it's not coercion, it's not abuse, it's simply helping people find what they like. Yeah, and it's, it's, what, every, it's what every yeah. other business does. You know, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's right. really, there's no reason why an artist that is in business needs to right. uh, have excuses for what they're doing right. to sell their work all the time exactly. and, you know it's, it's a very good point because the, the thing that really shocked me when i started uh, selling photographs is i was seeing people do things that i had never seen any other business do <laughs> and i was i wasn't aware of what business was but i knew that when i go to a store some things are done to me when i went to see an artist something totally different was done to me and i thought why are we doing that and i started thinking it doesn't work it, right. and i asked them i said does it work for you and i say oh yeah i've done it for 14 years or 20 years and i was like well yeah they've done it for a long time but doesn't mean it works right right and so i started doing it differently and guess what within two years after i started at the grand canyon i was the best-selling artist <laughs> <laughs> it took me two years to catch up with people that had been there for 20 years and they, were <laughs> pulled away. They, they were like this is not even funny and i told them i said i'm enjoying it yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> you know, because yeah. um yeah, there's a there's a good question that's coming in uh, that aligns with the next chapter I want to talk about, and uh, the chapter is called "How to Price Fine Art Photography." And you uh, you came into that uh, a little bit at the beginning, but I like to uh, also read a question from Luca uh, Bazzano uh, from LA. Uh, we have people all over America today here. It's uh, it's actually nice uh, getting the question. So if you have a question and you haven't been there yet, go to smips.tv/live and you can send in those questions right underneath the video on the right. There's a ask a question button and they come right here to my desk um luca asks um and that goes with the the, the how to price your artwork uh, question is do you think you damage your brand by putting a low price on your piece can you ever go back to pricing higher do you do you uh, do existing customers get angry also using a service like SmugMug is a is a quick fix to fulfillment yeah. but then you are not printing yourself with right, your own right. skill uh can you comment on this and uh that's a very interesting point. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, sorry to cut you off. But uh, the thing with Smug Mug always gets to me, and this is how I answer it. 
how would you like to buy a photograph by Ansel Adams that was printed on SmugMug? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you're okay with it, then go ahead and print your work on SmugMug. You definitely cannot ask the same amount of money. Right. It doesn't cost much to print. That's the whole thing we find out. The printers are expensive, the, the software, the hardware, the computers, all of that, the cameras are expensive. But once you have that, the print is very cheap. Right. You know, I can make a very high quality fine art print for less than probably five dollar in uh, up to you know sixteen by twenty size and, and less than twenty dollar in larger sizes. Right. Which you know defeats the purpose of going to SmugMug. We are not doing this because it's easy. Right. Okay, that's very important. Um, one of the comments on my book on Amazon, and by the way, I have 16 reviews right now. I don't want to brag, but I, I feel good about it. <laughs> and 15 of them are five stars out of five, and one is Wow, congratulations. That's Thank great. Thank you. And, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of it because we worked very hard on that book. And, yeah. Uh, no, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a massive achievement and I can only congratulate you because you. it is groundbreaking uh, in terms and, uh, of... And I think, you know, we're not doing that because it's easy. And one of the comments was that what the person that wrote the comment said is, what I like about this book is it's not telling you how to get rich overnight. And definitely that's not possible. I don't believe you can do it. You know, it, it took me two years of hard work to get up to the level of the other sales people, you know, that were sitting at the Grand Canyon. It did not happen overnight. Two, two years and I worked day and night. I mean, I exhausted myself. Mm -hmm. um, it's not easy. You, it's not, uh, we're not trying to find the easiest way to do this. And smug mug is not the answer. <clears throat> you can't ask $10,000 for a smug mug print, but you can ask $10,000 for a large version of your prints made by yourself. Mm -hmm. the, the reason why art has a value is because of the artist. So let's talk about pricing very quickly. A, in fine art, Price is based on the artist, not on the cost of production. I right. had somebody at the Grand Canyon that looked at my work and said, well, okay, $10 for the paper, $5 for the glass, $20 for the frame, maybe $5 for the screws and the wire on the back, and I'll give him another, you know, five bucks for other accessories, a total of $50. Mm -hmm. Why are you asking a thousand? And I looked at the person and I said, you know, the $50 are free. What you're paying for is me. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be a thousand dollars and fifty, a thousand and fifty dollars. You're really buying me, right? That, that's what you're paying for. You're buying the artist. When you buy a Picasso, or you buy a Monet, or you pick your favorite artist, it doesn't really matter. You're not paying for the canvas. You're not paying for the frame. You're not paying for the paint. You're not paying for any of that. You're paying for the name. Right. That's what you're buying. You're buying the name of the artist. Number one thing, you know, to answer the question also, because I think that's a multi-question question. You. Protect your reputation at all costs. Mm -hmm. there's, there's very little that upsets me. But one thing that upsets me are people that want to ruin my reputation. You're not going to be friends with me if you're trying to do that. <laughs> right? in, in what way, in, 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 in what way uh, do you mean? Well, um, pretending that you do something that you don't do. Yeah. You know? yeah. uh, for example, arguing that the quality is not there. When I started digital, I was one of the very first artists in the world to actually sell 100% digital photographs. At the time, I still had to do film because digital cameras were not available, at least not in the quality for fine art. Right. Uh, but I was scanning the film and I was printing everything, you know, through inkjet printers. Right. And I can't tell you how many competitors were telling the customers, well, you know, it's not going to last, it's digital, it's going to fade, blah, 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 mm. blah. And I lost a lot of sales. It, it hurt my reputation. Right. Now it's not an issue anymore because we've come to understand that digital can be very high quality. We have long-lasting inks. The fine art it's actually better now than anything you can do in traditional darkroom. Arguably, yeah. it is better. Yeah. But it's not about whether it's better or not. It's about protecting your reputation and, and defending it to the hilt. I mean, right, it's a very, right. very important aspect. Because your income is 
your name. You must right. protect your name. Right. So if you are going to offer something on, on Smug Mug, you're probably hurting your reputation because it's not known for fine art. Well, and I think what you, do, what you do is basically you say, I like taking pictures. Mm-hmm. But I don't like anything to do with the with the process of being a craftsman to create a right. fine piece. Right, and the printing is super important. Right. I mean, today, uh, you know, if somebody today and this has nothing to do with marketing, but if somebody today takes a photo and does not post-process it in a way that's unique and does not print it in a way that's unique, you're not going to sell it. Anybody can do that. Right, you know? right, right. So we have to go farther than that. Um, you know, the other question I think that was about uh, whether you can raise your prices and lower them. Not really. You, you, you know, if you if you start to offer prices, you know, you, you have hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. Once you reach, let's say, the the thousand dollar mark, you can't go back down to fifty bucks. He, the question was actually the other way around. The, uh, the question was the other way around. Is when you have low prices, can you can you uh, you know, when you decide to go the low price route, can you can you change by going up? Well, you can change, but you better change only once. I mean, I went from quantity to quality because I almost died doing quality quantity. Right. Sorry, and but I never went back, right. and I'm not planning to ever go back. I'm actually, you know, asked reg- regularly, you know, and I'm, my answer is no. You know, I have no interest. Um, I have a better lifestyle because I sell quality. I don't have to work as hard. I don't have to make as many uh, pieces. You know, and my customers are more satisfied because they have something more unique. You know, I don't crank out 1,000 of anything. You know, we are, we are lucky we make 20 of anything, you know. Um, so, yes, you can change, but don't change back and forth. Make the change and, and, and stay there, mm-hmm. you know. Fantastic. But really, read my book and decide whether you want to do quality or quantity from the beginning. My experience is not unique, you know. Um, you know, I still have piles of uh, posters in the garage uh, of things that I don't sell, you know. So, mm-hmm. You know, quantity can be a real problem, and and you know, I'm I'm a firm believer in learning from other people because, like you said, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I wouldn't be where I am if I had tried to reinvent the wheel. The wheel has already been invented. You just use it. Right, right, right. right. Don't don't do it. Yeah. Here's a, another question, and uh, there's a picture that goes with it, but I have to read the question first uh, from Luca, uh, the same person, and from from LA. Uh, I personally don't like to talk to salespeople during shows as I feel pressured. How do you strike a balance of being helpful versus pressuring the customer? I was just thinking it might be interesting to video yourself with right. a mock conversation with the customer to improve your performance. We are uh, our own biggest uh, critic. Also, why do you do many artists have this weird association with making money equating to selling out? Uh, you don't get it. Uh, I d- you don't have the poor to be poor to be a talent. Mm. Right, and and also you're not going to be a talent very long if you're poor, because this cost us money. And when I was at the very beginning of my reflection on this, this is back in 1995 before I even started my business. I realized I started, I went fully digital in 1995, 1993, I think. Uh, I, my first computer was a Mac Quadrice 40 AV, and I went fully digital, and I started buying software, I started upgrading, I started upgrading the computers, buying printers, everything was changing all the time. And very quickly it dawned on me that if I wasn't making money out of this, I couldn't keep up. Right, I couldn't right. continue to spend money and not make money. Right. So, like I said, you're not going to be talented very long, or you're not going to be able to express your talent very long if you don't make money out of this. The second thing is, this whole concept with selling out is very weird to me, because you're selling out if you do something that's against your own belief. For example, if I start to offer my final work for $10, it's going to be against my own belief. But I don't do that. 
You know, now if your belief is that you have to be a starving artist in order to be a real artist, that's okay with me. But that doesn't have to be. You know, there's some. You know, just study the history of art, and that really helped me a lot because I had that belief also. Believe me, every hang-up, every every belief, every myth that you think you have, I've had it. Mm-hmm. That's why I can write about it. I just got rid of them quickly. You, know. you went through Helm. all the pains of uh, learning exactly. it. Yeah, I, I, yeah and, and I hired Helm to tell me what, what the truth was you know, and what I should do as far as business is concerned. I studied the history of art. The most successful artists in the 20th century, we're not talking about Michelangelo, we're not talking about the Renaissance, we're not talking about previous artists because their income was based on working for the Pope or working for kings. They had money that came from royalty very often, totally right. different clientele. They had one customer very often. Right. Today we have to have multiple customers. But when you look at artists that we can model after, for example, Picasso, Dali. Yeah, know, when, the, when the Catholic Dali. Church is your customer... Right. Uh, you know, you don't need to worry yeah. about marketing. Right. You know, God <laughs> is on your side. <laughs> you're yeah. safe. But, you know, if you look at Picasso, Dali, and so on, you're, you're looking at master marketers. You think that marketing and tying to a customer at a show is pushy? Picasso marketed to entire countries. Mm-hmm. He marketed to France, to Spain, to Italy, you name it. I mean, you know what happens when you market to entire countries? It trickles down to other countries. It's, right. th- that's why he's fame. Uh, you know, the museum, the Picasso Museum in Paris is a phenomenal achievement. He donated his work to pay taxes, you know, right. and they opened a museum. I mean, talk about leverage. Right. You know, right. what you would have spent in taxes, now you're using it to create leverage. People that go to this museum know him more. It increases the value of the work, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, th- we, we are... I had a customer one time, I told, I told him, he's from New York City, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm afraid I'm a little pushy at times. Mm-hmm. He said, Alan, there's nothing pushy about you, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Come to New York, <laughs> you don't see pushiness, right? Well, well, it's we are we are way under the radar. You yeah. know, we think we are pushy, but we are not. You know, yeah. in regards to customers, not not wanting to talk to people and make sales, don't do shows because you have to. You have to ask for the sale. If you don't ask for the sale, you're not going to ha- sell. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, don't you don't have to go to people and say, "Would you like to buy that?" There's a number of ways to ask for the sale. But you know, like I said, one way to ask is to say, "Would you like me to ship it?" Or we don't want to take it with you. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm already getting pressured here that we uh, are at time already, which is so fast. Uh, but uh, let's uh, go. I want to go through one last question, Christy, before we wrap, and uh, that is for the last chapter that we have highlighted here. There's a total of, I think. Um, uh, how many chapters? 25. 25 chapters. Well, no, yeah, there's about 24 or 25 chapters, yeah. But the yeah. one you're talking about is chapter 16, the 25 most exactly. common Exactly. There's uh, the 25 most common marketing uh, mistakes, and uh, I like to... Uh, I like to highlight a couple of them. They're, it's very comprehensive, so we can obviously go through them all. And maybe it's even worth to go in another episode uh, in, a, in a few weeks from now, Anna, to, to go into That'd be more great. detail. Yeah, I mean, as you can see, we can talk about marketing forever. You right, know? Like absolutely. I said, I'm, I'm just as fascinated with marketing as I would ask. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can tell. You get really animated, and it's great. <laughs> it's, it's, I love to have you on the show. This uh, is the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the real thing, yeah. And uh, we, should, we should actually have a monthly call, you and I, and just, uh, just really enjoy... You I'm know, good for it. Yeah, uh, now that I figured out all the technical hardware stuff you know right right absolutely and i have uh i have um obviously my um you know i'm a marketer for 21 years now uh, in, oh, in in yeah. in in you know corporate business so it's uh, it's exciting for me to see that that the things that i learned in corporate business actually work on this level as well right so it's uh, are, marketing is the same whether you sell a car or a photograph i mean you know the difference is selling quantity versus selling quality right but if you sell quality um, yeah, I mean, I mean if, you wanna look, if you want to look at selling art at, at quality, you really mm-hmm. have to put yourself into the category of selling luxury items. 
And yeah. I exactly, and I always recommend to people go to luxury store. I mean, I frequent luxury stores. Right. You know, absolutely. I, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here is uh, here's an interesting two interesting ones that I want to touch before we wrap today. Okay. But uh, uh, that it's about it's chapter sixteen and it's about the twenty five most common uh, marketing mistakes, marketing errors. And number eight is trying to have something for everyone. You cannot please everybody. The minute you offer something, somebody's going to be upset, you know, right. and somebody's going to be happy. So that, that's the whole thing. Don't try to please everybody. That was my problem. At one point when I started, I was doing volume. I actually told everybody that would listen, I want to sell a photograph to everybody in the world. And because <laughs> the Grand Canyon has visitors from all over the world, and right. there's five millions of them a year, I almost succeeded and it almost killed me. Right, right. So don't do it. Don't you know, do it. Yeah. See, people who like Picasso probably don't like Monet. People who like Monet don't like Picasso. Now, a few people like everything. I'm one of them. I like all art because I look at art as being an expression of a unique personality. Right. So I'm interested in the personality. That being said, there is art that I would put on my work, on my wall, and art that I would never put on my wall, even though I might own it. So you know, ask yourself what you like and, and you'll realize that there are other people that don't like it, you know. Right. I also realize that because when you sell landscape photographs, it's very tempting to believe that nobody can dislike landscape photographs. Nobody can be upset at landscapes. And believe me, I've had a lot of people be up in arms because of my photos. <laughs> you know, yeah. Why? Because I changed the colors, because I, I express myself, basically. They right. don't like it. Other right. people love it and are willing to pay a very high amount of money yeah. for that same art. I, I always say, if you're like, if nobody complains, what you what you what you do, you're in trouble. Well, a, a rule of thumb, also regarding pricing, is that if nobody complains about the price, your price too low. Yeah, that's very very important. People come to me and say, "Oh, somebody complained; it's too high." I'm like, "Good news." Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you then know. the other one that I like to look at here is uh, number nine of the 25 uh, most common mistakes in marketing um, is doing everything people ask you to do, which, is, which is very related to it, of course. Absolutely. People come to me all the time with fantastic business ideas that I've heard a hundred times by now. Right. And I tell them, I say, this is very interesting. Thank you for suggesting it. I'll think about it. And then I just move on. Um, you know, people call me and say, can I, can, you, can I hire you to go photograph with you in the desert? Well, yes. But my fee is $2,000 a day. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to go for a week, that's going to be 20 grand, right? Because I'm also going to charge for travel. This is just my time. Right. If you want to do it, I'm there. You know, Natalie's going to come with me, mm. um, but, you know, probably you can do it on your own and, or take a workshop, you know, or, or you know, it's, it's really important to draw the line somewhere. You cannot be all things to all people. Right, right. And right. you'll kill yourself. Again, I was doing all of that. I mean, people were hiring me. I, I was charging them the cost of gas. I mean, believe me, I've done every mistake in the world. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and I, it's Not really fun to But talk. only once. That's the whole secret. Make it once. Don't yeah. make it. I, I consider it fine to make a mistake. If you learn from it, and don't do it again. But yeah. if you do it every uh, over and over again, then it's, it's not a mistake. It's an obsession. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then it <laughs> then becomes, yeah, it, it becomes a fetish. At that right, point. <laughs> it becomes something you, that's part of you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alain, it's been fantastic to have you on. Anyone that is interested in uh, marketing their art, not just fine art photography, especially fine art photography, but not just that. It's, it really works with, the concepts really work with any kind of art. But uh, check out uh, Marketing Fine Art Photography 
by Alambrio, and it's uh, published by the Rocky Nook uh, publisher. You can get it on Amazon. There's lots of good positive reviews on on there already. When you if you've read it, the book, then uh, you know leave another review. I'm I'm sure uh, Alain is very happy about that. We we love the book here, and uh, you know I will uh, I I talked about it before. I will start you know uh, following the same rules for my from my own little uh, you know endeavors in art, and uh, we'll see where it goes. It's really interesting. Yeah, and I wish good luck to everybody that's, you know, starting to sell their work or already selling their work, you know, and uh, stay in touch. I offer, you know, obviously more help than's available in the book. I'll be offering an advanced marketing seminar next year right. that goes beyond the book. I have a basic rule when I teach seminar, which is we don't cover what's in the book. We go beyond what's in the book. So right. you're, you're not going to hear the same thing again. Yeah. Um, you know, marketing is very personal, so everything has to be fine-tuned. But the book is a very good place to start. And, you know, like Peter said, it's available on Amazon, on my site, Everywhere, you know, so yeah, fantastic. Yeah, maybe yeah. you can stay on for a few minutes for an after show talk and then we can uh, c- sure, touch on yeah. a couple of things. But uh, you know, I'm addicted to marketing, so uh, <laughs> you know, a- this morning I found a website, I had an advertising in my email, and uh, it said uh, the website name was I Love Marketing, and I thought, oh gosh, I missed that one. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I should have bought that name. <laughs> yeah, no, this is really something we have in common, and we should uh, chat a little more about it. But well, I think you know, I mean, to, to just I'm gonna say this very quickly if you're interested in making an income and you don't like marketing it's not going to happen right. I mean, you have to be excited you know the, the excitement that i show to my customers when i sell my work is what makes them excited about my work yeah you know if you uh, only i think i think that's really a key to a good uh, good note to close on is if you're only excited about shooting in the field and maybe processing your images if that's the excitement you have about photography right. don't try and turn it into a business you have to be able to share your excitement with your customers right. because, uh, you know, passion in, passion out. You know, there's an old saying, you know, I, I don't really like it, but it's not me, but it's common in marketing. Enthusiasm ends with I-A-S-M and I-A-S-M stands for I am sold myself, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's, it's an old thing, you know, it's not me. But it, if it helps, you know, it's there. You have to be sold on your own product. I mean, right. I'm sold out on my product. I mean, I have my work in my house. I'm very proud of it. I guarantee it. I offer a lifetime warranty on my work. You know, mm-hmm. as long as you own it and fix it, if something goes wrong, nobody ever calls. Right. You know, I'm like the meta salesperson. I have nothing to do as far as I have to sales. But, you know, we have no return. We have 100% money by guarantee for a full year. We never get any returns. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Why would you, if you, if, you, if, you, if you produce quality, right. why would you? Yeah. Well, it's very hard for somebody to hang, let's say, uh, a work of art over their mantle or in a prominent space in their home, and then all of a sudden think, you know, I'm tired of it, I'm going to send it back to the artist. Because then the next time your family or your friends visit, they're like, well, where did the work go? Where right. the artwork go? Right, say, right. oh, I got tired of it. I shipped it back to the artist. Right. You don't look good. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, it's really a product that's emotional. You know, it's not like selling something which is outside of, 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 of ourselves. It's really something that becomes part of our lives, yeah, you know. That makes sense. Great. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you, Alain. <laughs> let's, uh, let's drag that into the after show talk. I, okay. I need to close the episode. Otherwise, people get, can't download the file. It's getting, <laughs> getting too big for them. So, uh, thank you very much for watching today, Welcome. episode number 43. Again, thanks to our 
our sponsors, uh, Thinktel, uh, supporting the show from the beginning uh, very much, thinktel.net, if you're wanting to look for uh, lowering your telephone costs as well as having a, a 21st century unified voice messaging and communication solution, and of course, Web Collapse, uh, professional web hosting for photographers and any, any other business, really. Uh, check them out. And um, thank you for watching. We are going to be on next week again. Check out our Facebook page, which are we are pushing more now. Uh, to Facebook, just look for Fine Art Photography Weekly as well as for uh, Smibs TV. And uh, join us and let us know what you want to uh, see on uh, future episodes, what you like, what you don't. And uh, we love to hear from you. So thank you very much for uh, joining us today at episode 43. My name is Peter Urban. And uh, thanks for watching Smibs TV.